Today we are going to be um, reading from John's Gospel. It's John's Gospel, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. So I invite you to stand as you're able and honor a reading of the Gospel passage. You can follow along on the screens behind me or listen to the word as it is read. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandment and abide in his love. I've said these things to you, that you uh, know my joy will be with you and that your joy may be complete. And this is my commandment, that you have loved one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. And you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So, you know, this summer we are uh, going through our series, Relationship Roadmaps, and we're looking at different types of relationships that we have in our own lives and how Scripture speaks into those relationships and how we are to relate to one another. So we started off with husbands and wives in a Christian marriage and how they equally submit to one another and put God first in their relationship. And then we looked at how children obeying their parents is what God intends them to do, but also for adult children to honor their elderly parents as well, to honor them and respect them and care for them and love them. And then we looked at on how parents are to parent their children, okay, in ways that is a Christian model of parenting kids. And so today, in today's passage, our focus is going to be on a different relationship than just the intermediate family type relationship, but today we're going to look at friendships. Friendships, the non-biological, non-guardian type connection and those connections in our lives and how Scripture speaks to us on how we relate to our friends. And so i got to tell you this story about, about some friends I have in my life. Uh, when my middle child was diagnosed with autism, I did not know what our future held for him. I did not know what his life will turn out to be like, what our life will now be like, our kids' lives. And so there's a lot of unknowns and for many people, when they have a diagnosis of one of their children like that, they, they go through a grieving process and a recalibration of thought and um, wants and wishes for their child and their family. And so I did that. And part of that uh, journey that I've been on with my son is that along the way, and I tell my wife this, along the way, we have picked up and met friends because of my son's diagnosis that I would have never would have known in my entire life. I would have been in the same community but would have never had any reason to connect to families who also have special needs children and to advocates and professionals that help special needs communities, I would have never have personally gotten to know a lot of those individuals. So along that journey, I have picked up some really good friends, some really good friends from that special needs community that I will cherish forever, and I value those friendships. And one funny story is um, a group of parents, this was fairly not too long after Fraser was diagnosed, um, we have connected with some other parents of kids with close to the same age as Fraser, and we said, you know what, we want our kids to have just for them, just kind of like a very low-key, sensory-free um, Easter egg hunt for them. That way they can go and run around and not pick up the eggs 
or only pick up the one color they want or to do whatever they want. But they can just have that experience. And so we got together and organized an Easter egg hunt. And one of the, the funny things is, is one of the parents that said, oh, I'll head this up. And so she was Jewish. She said, I'll head this up. But she was Jewish. And she said, I'm going to need your help. She says, because since I'm Jewish, I don't have a lot of Easter things. I'm like, makes sense. So we decided to work together, okay, on this Easter egg hunt that a Jewish family that was going to head up. Well, eventually we were going to have it outside in their neighborhood. And, and you know, with spring weather, you never know what that's going to turn out to be like. So the weather came and it was raining and it was wet. And so we were going to have to call off this Easter egg hunt. And I said, you know what? Don't worry about it. I said, I'll check with my senior pastor, but the back of our gym at the church is wide open. It's a Saturday. No one's using it. I bet if we run over there, throw some eggs out, let them hunt, they'll be fine with it. And they were. So here we go. We move everything over to the back of the gym just to have just an impromptu Easter egg hunt. And it turned out to be a blast. The kids had fun. There was an Easter bunny that came along. And, you know, it all just worked out just right for the families to have that. And everybody had a great time. But... Uh, the family that headed it up, the Jewish family, their son with special needs came up to me and, they, and he said, Brian, I said, yeah. He said, are you the priest here? And I said, well, yes, we won't go into the discussion between the difference between a Catholic priest and a Methodist pastor. But I said, sure, yes, I'm the priest here. Well, Father Brian, you know, even though I'm Jewish, we can still be friends. And I said, absolutely, we still can be friends. And I always value that moment, you know, and that time right there where it didn't matter what background you were. We were just there as friends, allowing the kids to have a, just a good time, a fellowship. And it was a wonderful connection. And I never would have had that if it weren't for my son's diagnosis. And so we, we come across these moments in our lives where we run into different people that are not related to us. And we form these friendships. We form these friendships that we never really knew that we could have. And so here in this, in this scene that we have in John's gospel, we have here Jesus with his disciples in this very intimate moment. It's a farewell discourse. It's the final moments of Christ with his disciples where he shares his final meal. He washes their feet. And in this moment, he decides to tell them the most important things okay, that he really wants them to know because he knows that next he's going to have to go to the cross. And soon enough, these disciples of his are going to have to carry on his name and live out his message and share his message. So the final moments are very crucial here. And so there's about three things that Jesus talks about in this moment here. He talks about joy. He talks about love. He talks about being chosen. And so when he talks about joy, he starts off here. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so in this passage here, when he talks about abiding in love and keeping Father's commandments, that's very key that he lifts up Christian love in that moment. That by living in this thing called love, you will find joy. And so many of us believe that, you know, joy means you're always happy and there's always things going right in your life. But as we know, that's not always the case, but yet you can still have joy. And so the type of joy that he's talking about is sometimes misunderstood as happiness or excitement. But what it really is, it's not that the pleasure, the ease of life, but it's the exhilaration of being right with God. Knowing that you're living with what God has called you to do. is living within his word of living out this love and abiding in the love. So we can have that joy. We can have his joy 
and have his abiding presence. That's the type of joy he's talking about. Because some individuals that are trying to live out God's calling in their lives are not always having the happiest times. It's difficult to do that. It's difficult. There's difficult seasons in life when you try to live out God's love. There just are. But yet you still have joy knowing that you have his abiding presence with you in that moment. And so when he talks about joy, he lifts that up to his disciples. He lifts up the importance of joy and what it means to abide in love. And then he gets further into this concept of love. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this. So to lay down one's life for one's friends, you are my friends. If you do what I command you, I do not call you servants any longer because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. This is key. This is very key right here. First, I like to lift up that he says that you love one another as I have loved you. Okay. There's other passages in Scripture, and I was talking about this last week. There's passages in Scripture that says you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself, basically. But some people sometimes don't love themselves very well. And so I like this example better, that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. And that's clear-cut. It is a sacrificial love. It is a sacrificial love. It's a love that you cannot push away. God will always love you despite your mistakes and what you do. It's your choice to turn away from him, but his love is there. And here he commands his disciples, you and me are included in that, that we are to love one another as Christ has loved you. There's no greater love than this but to lay down one's life for his friends, saying that Christ laid down his life for us, so we are to lay down our lives for each other. And it says for his friends. And that's very key because it's interesting. Jesus is a rabbi. These are his students, his disciples, but yet he calls them friends. That's very uncommon. That's very uncommon in that time. Disciples weren't necessarily friends of their rabbi, but Jesus turned the relationship into friends. They're not biologically connected, but yet they're connected by choice. They're connected by choice. Just like the friends we have in our lives, we choose them. And they choose us. And it's all for various reasons. But we choose each other because we love each other. It's a non-biological connection. It's a non-romantic connection. It's just friends choosing friends to be in relationship. And Jesus here says, I lay down my life for friends. You are friends if you do what I ask you to. And that is to love one another. They are no longer servants. And see, in that day and age, you'll see Scripture mention the servant-master-slave-master relationship. And it mentions it not to say that it supports it. It's using it in context because that's what they understand because slavery and servanthood was used in their day and age. But Bible speaks clearly against slavery. God led the, the Israelites out of bondage and slavery out of Egypt. Okay? Jesus in his first sermon says, I'm here to free the captives. Okay? But here he uses that terminology because they understand that the servant doesn't always understand the intentions of the master. But this is not the relationship that you're to have. In this relationship, he says, But I have called you friends because I've made known everything to you that I've heard from my father. And it's this relationship where he shares freely about what the father is doing here and what the main message is and that they are friends. That they are friends. And so we talk about this, un, this big thing called love. But then we go into you are chosen. 
It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you love one another. See, another interesting dynamic that Jesus does differently than other rabbis. To, to learn from a rabbi, a respected rabbi, you would apply like you would for college. And say, I want to be your disciple, rabbi. I'm impressed by you. I want to learn at your feet. I want to be your student. Here's my resume. Here's my family lineage. Here's what I can be. I can be a well-known disciple of you and bring honor to you for being an outstanding disciple. And then the rabbi can go through and pick who he wants to, to be his disciple. Okay, But they apply first. They seek out first. Jesus did it differently. Jesus did it differently. When he went to the disciples, they didn't go to him to apply. He went to them. One of my favorite call stories is Matthew, the tax collector. And he was just sitting at his tax collecting booth one day in a town that Jesus was in. And knew Jesus had been there performing miracles and teaching. And had heard about Jesus and was curious about him. But wasn't going to go and give up his tax collecting gig, which was very profitable for him. And go and follow this, this radical rabbi into who knows what type of life. But yet Jesus, when he was in the crowds, when the tax collector booths were there on the street, he walked up to Matthew's booth. Not to pay taxes. But to say, will you follow me? Will you follow me? This is their first interaction here. And he goes to Matthew and says, this is the guy I'm going to ask. And Matthew got up from his tax collecting booth, left it all, invited all of his friends, all the outlaws and sinners to a banquet with Jesus. And they had a big old feast before Matthew went off and followed him. But Jesus went and approached him. He approached the other disciples as well, fishermen, zealots. He went to them and said, will you follow me? He chose them. And they were a ragtag group. Ragtag group. They would not have been chosen by any of the other rabbis. Not even considered. Their applications wouldn't even looked at. But yet, Jesus knew what he was doing by putting this eclectic group of people together that he chose. And so here he reminds them of this in his final moments with verse 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. God chooses us. God chooses to love us. There's nothing that we can do to turn his love away from us. And so in those moments where we feel inadequate, that we're imperfect, there's no way that God wants me to do this for him, especially if he knows everything bad that I've done, and he still wants me, that's not right. But when we choose to not love our neighbors, when we choose to not follow his commandments, yet we're chosen, that tells God we reject him. Because he chooses us, calls us to love, and if we don't, that's rejecting his choice for us. And so we have to understand that, that we are worthy enough and we don't need to worry about the things that want to hold us back from living out his calling on us. We just need to appreciate that in that moment, God is with us and nothing else matters. That God is with you. When he chooses you, he is with you and nothing else matters. God's got it. He knows what he is doing. And so I think when we're, when we're here and we're learning, learning about them being chosen and He's calling himself friends now, and how does that relate to us and our friendships? 
I think it's important for in our friendships as Christians that we work on building each other up in those relationships, supporting our fellow Christian friends in their time of need. You know, Job is one of my favorite books in the Bible, and Job had a bad lot. You know, he had everything in life that you could think of that you would want, possessions, children, money, health. But then when God allowed the devil to start poking around at Job and he was losing things left and right, his friends came, which is what friends are to do, but, and they sat with him in the ashes. But then after a while they said, you know what, Job, you must have done something to screw up. There's no way that God would just let this happen. You've brought this into your household. His wife said you brought this into our household. Something's going on that you did wrong. Why don't you just hurry up and die? They don't sound like very good friends anymore. Because in that moment, they forgot that Christian relationships and relationships with God are built on love. And it's repeated multiple times over and over on purpose. When God puts in Scripture something over and over and over again... That's like highlighting it with a big old highlighter saying, you need to pay attention to this. There's only so many words in this Bible. And so if I repeat a lot of these words, followers, you need to see what I'm trying to tell you here. And, you know, so when we think about this, we think about how Jesus interacted with his disciples and called them friends. That also should teach us on how we should be with our friends as well. Genuine friendships that are by choice, yes, but that are with you in love. They're there with you in love. And so I think for us as Christians, we forget about that too. You know, a lot of times when we um, go out into the world or we get onto our social media pages and things of that nature, I think these words that Jesus speaks to his disciples for his followers, they kind of just fall away. And I think we're to be reminded that when we interact with each other in person or online or whatever mode it is, is that we follow verse 12. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. There's no greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. I think we need to remember that every day. Because it is a difficult season for a lot of us. There are going to be future difficult seasons. But you can have the joy that is mentioned here when you abide in the love of the Father. So may we remember that as we, as we live in relationship with our friends. Let us pray.